Impeachment Day 3 kicks off and goes through and nobody seems to really remember that it's even going on until the very end when, well, some things popped up and now they're trying to manufacture some outrage. So we'll talk a bit about what's going on with the impeachment. In other news, the goalposts have moved for COVID again. Now we've got another year of wearing the mask and then just maybe we'll let you have your freedom back. Joe Biden faces some backlash in Illinois over decisions to probe into some of the corruption going on there. And the Lincoln Project is in the news because, well, nobody really can stand those guys. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got an impeachment trial going on, and it's riveting, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and wait, nobody seems to even know that it's going on. So we'll talk just a bit about some of the stuff, and maybe even some of the manufactured outrage they're trying to get up there, because they are trying to get eyes on this thing as much as they can, and I don't think anybody really gives a damn, because it's, it is a procedural thing at this point. They're going to run through... It's going to go through its process, and there's going to be an acquittal. I, there's not going to be anything coming forward that can tie this through. And like I said at the beginning of it, they're just doing this because they can't get it to stick in front of a grand jury. So we'll talk a bit about that. Plus, Biden is going to say we're going to keep wearing a mask for a year, but he's also facing some backlash over Illinois and much, much more to get to today. It's another smattering one. We've even got some foreign stuff today. But before we do any of this, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs. Pardon our dust, we are still under construction, so go ahead and check us out in the interim. Go ahead and uh, put the bookmark up, and while you're there, check out our great partners. The R-Rated Conservative, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The Freckles and Brit Show, The Daily Ignoramus, and the Generational Gap. I was going to say, I'm forgetting one in them. Which one am I forgetting? Generational Gap, of course, will be up tonight. So go over there and check them out as well. So looking forward to seeing you guys there. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys over there. And once we're back up and running, you can pick up some of our swag and help us support great creators. Let's look into the stocks for the morning here. By the way, if you are lurking today, I just want to remind you that if you get a message in, I will read your name out on the air and... For today, if your message is sufficiently stupid, I'll also read the message on the air because we've got to lift the intellectual level of this program here. I've got the names of everybody else who chatted through the week in my notebook here, so I'll give special thanks as well. So a lot of new names here. Couple slow days this week, but you know, we're getting some news fatigue too, so I understand that as well. But hope you guys will come back and hang out, discuss, talk about things. I do read your chat. Even though I don't read it out on the air, I do read it after the fact and see what you guys are thinking and saying and what we can do and what we can do to improve the show. So let's check that out. But first, let's get right into the financial news. <clears throat> on the Dow, the Dow closed slightly lower yesterday. Uh, 31,4370 was the final close throughout the day. And of course, it reloaded after 7.30. So now we see yesterday. Uh, yeah, yesterday's close is the previous close, so that's where we're sitting at right now. Looks like we're getting into, they're going to call it a rally. I don't know if this is a rally or not, because it's been, I mean, I would call it flat if anything else, but they say it's a rally, and that's what they want you to believe. Uh, as far as Bitcoin goes, Bitcoin is another story, because that is sitting back up at 48077. 48077 US dollars per Bitcoin. 
So they're seeing a nice big climb coming up here too. And once again, you know, once that fiat currency goes to hell, Bitcoin, well, they've got a cap on the number of Bitcoin that can be out there. So Bitcoin can't be inflated, but fiat currency can. So something to look into for that. Of course, you know, an EMP can wipe out your Bitcoin, possibly, maybe, because it's so decentralized. I don't even know if that's true or not, to be completely honest. I don't know enough about blockchain to see to be able to say yes or no, this is actually a thing. But, you know, it's definitely something to look into for this. But I know Spartan likes to see what the Bitcoin is every day. So that's why we put it up here. From IBD. Oh, let it think for just a second. Come on. Dow Jones futures market rally powers past warning signs as marijuana stocks plunge. Disney, Datadog lead five key earnings movers. From Ed Carson, Dow Jones futures fell slightly early Friday along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ futures as Walt Disney, Datadog, and Cloudflare headlined earnings. The stock market rally had a mixed session on Thursday, but the NASDAQ composite and S&P 500 index hit record closes. Tilray and other marijuana stocks plunged Thursday after being high as a kite in recent days. Stocks traded up and down on Thursday with a strong finish, pushing the NASDAQ back above the 14,000 level. Powering past warning signs, Bitcoin rallied to record highs amid the latest signs of institutional support. The mega cap techs Apple, Amazon, and Google parent Alphabet were meh. I gotta say, this is the first time I've ever seen a professional article from a high dollar publication that said meh. But big chip names such as Taiwan Semiconductor, NVIDIA, LAM Research, and Applied Materials had strong sessions. Disney stock, Datadog, Cloudflare, and recent IPO Affirm reported earnings after all four closed in a buy range. Disney stock rose modestly on strong results. Datadog stock fell modestly amid mixed guidance. Net stock tumbled on online guidance. Affirm stock sold off despite being views in its first ever report since the IPO. Marijuana stocks, Aurora Cannabis, also reported earnings late Thursday, the Canadian pop producer topped revenue forecasts. Aurora fell 8% early Friday, reversing Thursday night gains. AECB stock tumbled 23.5%, but Thursday it is still up 13% on the week. Marijuana stocks plunged Thursday after huge gains. Tilray stock plummeted 50% to 32.16 on Thursday after being up sharply before the open. But it's still above its 10-day line after closing 117% above the short-term level on Wednesday. Uh, Justice probes GME stock frenzy. Reddit investors have rushed into cannabis stocks following the quick rise and fall of GameStop and AMC Entertainment. The Justice Department has issued subpoenas to Robinhood and various brokerages and social media firms regarding the massive short squeezes in GME stock and others. No, you're not allowed to make big on the stock market. Only the investors are. Only the people we say are allowed to get rich are allowed to get rich. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission is investigating Reddit investors talking up silver futures and related ETFs. Well, the silver thing, that was a fed. That was glowing like there is no glow to glow. That is so glowing. That's like a big neon sign that says fed. That's what the uh, silver thing was. 
Also, the House Financial Services Committee plans a February 18th hearing on the GameStop stock frenzy. Reddit CEO Steve Huffman will testify. GME stock fell 0.2% to 5110 on Thursday, the fourth straight day of below average volume. GME stock is 89% below its January 28th peak of 483. AMC stock lost 3.3% on Thursday, 73% off its January 27th top of 2066. Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and TSM stock are on the IBD leaderboard. NVIDIA stock and Taiwan Semiconductor are on Swing Trader. Microsoft stock is on the IBD long-term leaders. TSM, NVIDIA, and AMAT stock are on the IBD 50 list. I just realized I didn't put Instagram up. Oh well, we'll go a day without it. Very few people ever watch it over there anyway. On the futures, Dow futures were up about 0.1% below fair value, even with Disney stock offering a slim boost. S&P 500 futures fell 0.2%, NASDAQ 100 futures sank 0.1%. Remember, overnight action in Dow futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. All right, let's see what CNBC has to say, and then we'll go talk about this impeachment that nobody else seems to be talking about. Dow closes flat near a record as market's February rally pauses from Yoon Lee and Pippa Stevens. The Dow Jones Industrial Average ended another day near the flat line on Thursday as the market's strong momentum to begin February started to lose steam. The blue chip benchmark dipped just 7.1 points from a record high to 31.43.70. The S&P 500 gained 0.2% to eke out a record closing high of 39.16.38. The tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite gained 0.4% to 14.0.25.77, also a fresh record. So the tech guys went up and the industrials went down, but they only went down just slightly. Energy was the worst performing sector, sliding more than 1%, while the strength in technology supported the broader market. After a strong run-up in the equities in the beginning of February, the market rally seemed to slow down a tad. The S&P 500 moved within 0.2% for three straight days this week. For this month so far, the broad equity benchmark has gained 5.4%. We pulled a lot of optimism forward, and the market is trying to figure out where we go from here, said Gregory Farinello, the head of U.S. rates trading at Ameribet Securities. The fiscal and monetary side of the equation seems priced into the market going forward. We need to see a broader economic recovery, a broader reopening, and a broader dissemination of the vaccine. Investors also digested a worse-than-expected reading of weekly jobless claims. First-time claims for unemployment insurance totaled 793,000 last week, even amid declining COVID-19 cases. Economists polled by Dow Jones expected a total of 760,000. The market rallied to record levels this month as investors anticipated that any additional fiscal relief measures would support equities further. The S&P 500 has gained 4.3% this year so far, while the Russell 2000 jumped more than 15% to date as beaten down small caps rotated into favor with rising reopening optimism. There are concerns that the combination of the reopening and possibly $1.5 trillion in stimulus in the pipeline could cause an overshooting, which would lead to higher long bond yields and higher interest rates, said Ross Mayfield, investment strategist, uh, strategy rather, uh, analyst at Baird. Then that becomes a headwind to the equity markets. The federal budget deficit is projected to total $2.3 trillion in the 2021 fiscal year, a decline from last year. 
but still well above anything the U.S. had seen prior to the COVID crisis. Well, that's because they're raising your taxes, but they're not going to tell you that in CNBC. But uh, your taxes are going up. Oh. The Congressional Budget Office reported on Thursday. The total also does not include the $1.9 trillion in relief spending that President Joe Biden has proposed. By March, by the end of March, we are probably going to be sitting at $30 trillion in national debt, just so you guys know. But of course, if you ask Flancorp, that's taboo to say because nobody said it during the Trump administration. Except this guy. All right. Let's see what, uh, that's what we've got on the stocks. Let's see what we've got in the impeachment news. From Forbes to start the day. GOP senators increasingly absent from impeachment trial as wariness grows from Andrew Solander. Senators are turning, uh, tuning out as former president. Donald Trump's impeachment trial grinds into its third day, with many falling asleep and more than a dozen Republicans exiting the chamber at various intervals. As many as 15 seats of the Republican senators were empty during the first few hours of the trial on Thursday, compared to just a handful of Democrats who were outside the chamber, according to Poole reports. Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul were both away from their desks, for instance, while Senator Jim Risch was in the basement on his phone, Manu Raju reported. Many within the chamber were preoccupied with other activities. Tom Cotton and Chuck Grassley were reading papers, while according to CNN's Jeremy Herb, Senator Rick Scott had a blank map of Asia on his desk and was writing on it like he was filling in the names of countries. This is hilarious, by the way. On both sides of the aisle, a general malaise was settling in, with many senators reportedly appearing to struggle to stay awake, including Bernie Sanders, well... With Bernie, you actually might have to go check on him because uh, he's 80 years old. And he actually might be deceased. Tom Carper, Pat Toomey, and Tommy Tuberville. Even as Trump's lawyers ha were checked out, with David Shane and Bruce Castor reportedly not taking notes and Shane even leaving the chamber to speak to reporters and participate in several TV news interviews. Asked by Raju... Why he was breaking from the trial to do interviews, Shane said impeachment managers' arguments are more of the same thing, labeling their use of footage of Capitol riders citing Trump as their inspiration offensive, quite frankly. It's the same as yesterday and the same as the day before. It's just redundant. The same thing over and over again, Senator Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma told reporters of impeachment managers' arguments on Thursday. To me, the more you hear it, the less credibility is in it. I have one question for any of my Republican colleagues, unmoved by the videos and images of Trump's mobs ransacking the Capitol and attacking police officers. How do you live with yourselves, tweeted Senator Maisie Hirono, D. Acting Class. Never call yourselves the party of law and order ever again. 17. That's the number of Republican senators needed to vote with Democrats in order for Trump to be convicted. Only six voted on Tuesday that the trial is constitutional. Bill Cassidy, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Pat Toomey, Ben Sass, most of whom were among uh, the Republicans deeply engaged with the trial on Thursday. One moment where all Senate Republicans in the chamber reportedly snapped to attention was when the impeachment manager, Ted Lieu, spoke about Trump retaliating against Republicans who broke with him, according to NPR's Lisa Desjardins. Senator Boozman told reporters he has already made up his mind on voting to acquit because of his earlier vote that the trial is unconstitutional. It's difficult to vote that it's unconstitutional and then vote to convict, he told reporters. So, 
this seems to be a very, very big air of what's going on around the Twitterverse for sure. And I'm sure what we're seeing off CNN and Fox and all the other mainstream news outlets is that nobody gives a fuck about this. Nobody cares. As Shane said, they're doing the same thing over and over again. They're saying they're playing the same videos. They're making the same statements over and over again. Well, the evil orange man was evil and orange, and he's evil and orange, and he inspired the rioters in an evil and orange way. And look, all these rioters came in. Well, the rioters aren't on trial right now. They will be on trial at some point, and at some at some point, some of them are going to have the book thrown at them. The rioters' trials are probably going to be a lot more exciting to watch than what we're seeing here where they're just playing the same video over and over again and saying oh hey look these writers almost got to Mitt Romney and I don't know why anybody would care if the writers almost got to Mitt Romney because nobody cares about Mitt Romney nobody likes that dude but yeah it's it's tiresome at this point I mean the defense is going to come up today and that might give us some excitement here but for the most part they're going to do the same thing over and over again and they're showing the same videos that they showed on every campaign ad every Orange Man Bad Ad, everything that they put out on mainstream news since January 6th, they're showing the same videos over and over again. And nobody cares. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to just go away either. I mean, there's a reason that they restricted this to a couple weeks' time instead of... I, Elaine and I thought they were going to drag this out for six months just to keep Trump's name in the headlines here. Which I still think is the reason that they're doing this, to try and keep Trump in the headlines while they try to sneak other shit down. But, I mean, for the most part, it's it's the same thing. It is, that's it. We'll see what the defense has to do, but I don't think anybody cares. And then, you know, after they do the acquittal vote, because I don't see any overturning of the vote at this point. I see a 56 to 44 acquittal vote coming back out of this. And then, you know, every hot girl from every progressive city, and probably the non-hot girls too, but nobody's looking at their profiles, is going to go in with uh, that little Instagram story that says, vote them all out. Vote every one of them out. They are complicit. They're, they're, they're... Nobody cares. Nothing's going to happen from it anyway. I don't think, and this is, I said this yesterday, which means that I'm just as bad as the Democrats right now. I don't think Trump even wants to go and run for president again. Now, yes, of course, he's a narcissist. But how much do you have to hate yourself? How masochistic do you have to be to go through that again? Seriously. So that's what we see coming back out of this. Let's keep going. From CNN, how many people are watching the impeachment trial? Here are the numbers. From Brian Stelter, the reliable source. Those empty seats in the Senate chamber on Thursday, those are emblematic of the public's reaction to the second Trump impeachment trial. If you've been glued to every minute of the trial or even just half watching the proceedings, then you're part of a special club. You're learning the full story. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. The self-aggrandizement right there. Oh my God, that is disgusting. What? What a pompous fucking prick. Oh. You're part of a special club. You're learning the full story of the crimes that were committed at the Capitol on January 6th. But you are much more plugged in than the average American adult. 
The Nielsen TV ratings for the first two days of trial coverage show that only a sliver of the public is watching at any given time. The ratings for CNN and MSNBC are way up. Because, of course, they are. Because every per, uh, every progressive is sitting out there saying, We're going to put him in prison. We're going to put him in prison. He's going to prison. <laughs> you know what? He ran from the outside. He is so evil. He's so evil. We're going to put him in prison. That's why CNN and MSNBC are back all the way up. i got to check on something. Oh, my volume is good. And the ratings for Fox News are much weaker. Some people are also watching coverage via the broadcast networks, but not in huge numbers. The bottom line, news junkies are gripped by the emotional presentations, but a vast swath of the nation, I'm going to paraphrase this, doesn't give a flying fuck. More casual news consumers are catching the coverage in bits and pieces by watching clips of the Democratic presentation on news websites or on YouTube, or by scanning summaries by partisan outlets. This is far, far from one of those drop-what-you're-doing-and-watch moments in America. No shit. Nothing's going to happen out of it. On Tuesday afternoon, an average of 11 million viewers watched the opening arguments across MSNBC, CNN, Fox, ABC, and CBS. On Wednesday afternoon, the same five channels averaged 12.4 million viewers. That is an average, which means people came and went the whole time, and the cumulative audience was much higher. Oh, try... Stop trying to fucking hold yourself up, you fucking prick. But given that nearly 210 million adults live in the U.S., you might conclude that many folks think that they know how the story ends, so they're not even bothering to watch. However, Trump's second trial is drawing a larger average audience than the first trial, the New York Times' John Coblin points out. On Wednesday, CNN was number one overall in the 25-54 to 54 demo, while MSNBC prevailed among total viewers. Online, the streaming audience was much smaller, but significant. CNN Digital's live stream on Tuesday and Wednesday surpassed the equivalent days for the 2019 House impeachment hearings and the 2020 Senate impeachment trial. Well, keep in mind that a lot of these people are also still stuck at home. Not able to go to work, but, I mean, for the most part, I think a lot of them are watching The Price is Right. Fox News ended Wednesday morning with 1.4 million viewers, then the trial began, and so did Fox's rating slide. Fox bottomed out at a million at the 3 p.m. hour, though the audience levels noticeably ticked up during a break in the trial at 1.39 p.m. when uh, Fox's Trump-friendly analysis of the trial brought some viewers back. Uh, listen to this. The audience came back in a big way at 5 p.m. when Fox cut away from the Senate chamber and aired The Five. 2.7 million viewers were there for it. Some tuned out during the special report at 6, and many more tuned out when Fox resumed trial coverage from 6.30 to 7. Fox plummeted to 1.2 million viewers. The audience rushed back, of course, for Tucker Carlson tonight, which topped 3 million. But MSDNC and CNN's average viewership was up above 3 million all afternoon long. With an explanation point, Bing! Boom! The takeaway is clear. Fox's uh, base rejected the prosecution of Trump. Um, Stelter, you misspelled that. That's the persecution of Trump. They only wanted to hear the pro-Trump spin. Now, like I said, nobody cares. This is just... Like I said, the only reason you're seeing 12 million viewers onto this right now is because... People are still stuck at home because you've shut down large swaths of the economy, and you've told the American people that Trump is both evil and orange and orange and evil, but, I mean, pfft, 
really, if there was more outrage, they'd be trending more on Twitter. Because that's still the left-wing echo chamber, and nobody cares. All right, let's keep going. From CNN. Three GOP senators meet with Trump's lawyers on the eve of impeachment defense presentation. From Manu Raju and Alex Rogers. A trio of Republican senators allied with former President Donald Trump met with his defense team Thursday evening in the middle of an impeachment trial in which they will vote on whether to convict Trump and potentially bear, uh, bar him from holding public office again. Senators Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Ted Cruz of Texas, and Mike Lee of Utah were spotted going into a room in the U.S. Capitol that Trump's lawyers were using to prepare their arguments. Trump lawyer David Shane said the senators were very friendly guys who just wanted to make sure they were familiar with the procedure on the eve of their rebuttal to the House impeachment manager's presentation. When asked if it's appropriate to meet with senators during the trial, Shane said, oh yeah, I think the practice, I think that's the practice of impeachment, rather. There's nothing about this thing that has any semblance of due process whatsoever, he added. Fact check true. Some senators view themselves as impartial jurors during the impeachment trial. No, they're not. No, they're not. And you can see that from the vote that came through. This is an, an impartial thing. Democrats are doing what the Democrats have told them to do, and Republicans are doing what Republicans have told them to do. This is not an impartial trial by any stretch of the imagination, and none of the people in here are impartial. They are going right along party lines, just like they did the first time. Exactly like they did the first time. while others lend a hand to their party side. Republican senators have already signaled that they will vote to acquit uh, the former president of the charge of incitement of insurrection, preventing a subsequent vote on Trump's political future. In a 50-50 Senate, the House impeachment managers, all of whom are Democrats, need to persuade 17 Republican senators to join every member of their party to convict Trump. And that right there, This line right here, for those of you who are listening back on the audio platform, every member of their party to convict Trump. This is not an impartial uh, jury. And they admitted it right there because every Democrat in the Senate walked into this knowing that they were going to vote to convict right there. That says, that, that says volumes right there. The managers on Thursday showed clips of Trump's speech before the Capitol rampage on January 6th, in which he urged his supporters to fight like hell, never give up, and never concede. And also to march peacefully, but, you know, CNN completely conveniently forgets to mention that part, in which he, uh, many Republican senators point out that Trump also said to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. They've also blamed the rioters rather than the former president for the deadly violence that day. No shit. It's almost like people have agency. And once again, I mean, you hate to bring up uh, Shapiro on something like this, but if we're going to hold people to the standard that the political leader that it, uh, inspired them is the one that's responsible for the violence, then we need to uh, dig up the congressional baseball shooter and let's go have a talk with Mr. Sanders once again. Because if that's the standard we're going to hold people to, then uh, we, we're going to have bigger problems coming in later on in the Congress. All right, with that, let's keep going. From Fox News. Jonathan Turley, Trump impeachment. Lee Raskin. Ah, the stupid way they have this all laid out. 
Give it a second to think. Jonathan Turley, Trump impeachment. Lee Raskin exchange reveals this glaring hole in the case. Mike Lee's objection highlights what's missing in the House case from Jonathan Turley. This is an opinion piece, so... At the end of its first day of uh, argument, the Senate impeachment trial was thrown into chaos. When a juror stood up, like the scene out of Perry Mason, to contest the veracity statements made by prosecutors. The moment came as the Senate was preparing to end for the day. Senator Mike Lee of Utah jumped to his feet to object that the quote by House Manager Representative David Cicilline was false. Lee should know. They were purportedly his words. After a frenzy on the floor and delay of proceedings, lead House Manager Jamie Raskin announced that they would withdraw Cicilline's statement and that this is much ado about nothing because it's not critical in our, uh, any way to our case. In reality, it had much to do with the manager's case and highlights a glaring problem in it. The House has elected to try this case of incitement of insurrection largely on circumstantial evidence and using media reports rather than witness testimony. It is trial by innuendo and implication rather than direct evidence of what former President Donald Trump knew and intended on January 6th. Raskin added, so we're happy to withdraw the grounds that it is not true, and we're going to withdraw it this evening without any prejudice to the ability to resubmit if possible, and then we could debate it if we need it. It is not clear if the House will contest Lee's point further on the second day of argument. Lee was aggrieved by Cicilline quoting him as to what Trump said in a cell phone conversation with Tommy Tuberville. On January 6th, Trump mistakenly called Lee, who handed over his phone to his colleague. Here's what Cicilline said in part. Senator Lee described it. Senator Lee then confirmed that he stood by as Senator Tuberville and President Trump spoke on the phone. And on that call, Donald Trump reportedly asked Senator... All right, we are back. Looks like I lost some of that. Looks like we lost it for just a second here, but we are back. And the stream is back up to healthy mode again. All right. Anyway, let's get into the rest of the news that was going on with this and see what else they didn't want you to see. From Newsbreak. GOP's Tenney, who won the House seat by 109 votes, is sworn in. From Marina Villanova. Uh, is that how you do that? All right. Republican Claudia Tenney of the New York was sworn in Thursday as a member of Congress, reclaiming a seat that she lost two years ago, then regained barely after one of the nation's pro most protracted vote, uh, vote counts. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat, delivered the oath of office Thursday morning to Tenney in the House chamber in a brief socially distanced ceremony. Congratulations. You are now a member of the 117th Congress, said Pelosi, a Democrat. Tenney reclaimed her job representing New York's 22nd Congressional District, which runs down the middle of the state from Lake Ontario to the Pennsylvania border between Syracuse and Albany, from Anthony Brindisi, the Democrat who narrowly ousted her from the office two years ago. Oh, this is going to be a long one here. The rematch was even closer than the last fight. Tenney, 59, built a substantial Election Day lead based on votes cast at polling station. But her advantage shrank to nearly nothing as a record number of mail-in ballots, mostly cast by Democrats, were counted. 
Her lead was down to a few dozen votes by mid-December. Both sides turned to the courts to decide whether to count certain ballots, including some with potentially disqualifying technical errors, or which were cast at the wrong locations or by voters whose registration status was in doubt. Tabulation and record-keeping problems uh, complicated the count. One rural county revealed that it had found 55 uncounted ballots weeks after Election Day. Another was found to have failed process large numbers of voter registrations, even though it had ample time to do so. Important notes related to challenged ballots were lost because they had been written on sticky notes that lost their adhesiveness and fell off. <clears throat> In the end, the judge ruled that Tenney won by 109 votes out of nearly 319,000 votes cast or a margin of just 0.034%. Brindisi has been in court seeking a potential recount, but conceded Monday and said he would drop his appeals. Well, yeah, because you're not allowed to question. No, wait, no. It's only the presidential election you're not allowed to question. If you are a Democrat that has lost by a narrow margin to a Republican, you are allowed to question everything loudly and try to get everything recounted because, you know, you got to have that bigger margin in the House than what you had. All right, so congratulations to Claudia Tenney. Let's keep going. Everything's going to have to reload because we lost connection, so give that a second. Do, 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 do. Are we down connection again? Oh, everything is unresponsive. This is duct tape. Come on. Remember that uh, PayPal is in the description down there if you guys want to throw a couple bucks over here to help with the uh, computer fund so we can help start to fix this. Or the subscribe stars there too. All right, now we are back on. So David Ramsey had a uh, had an interesting quote yesterday, and I actually was uh, well. To start with, we need to understand. We Shut him up for just a second. And actually, I tend to agree with him here. And you know, I didn't take the stimulus on any of its forms. I just cut it back up and said, "The hell with you. I don't want any of your money because you don't have the money to cover any of this." But uh, Ramsey brought up a point that I didn't even think about with this. Well, to start with, we need to understand, we got $1.7 trillion in student loan debt. $192 billion out of that, not so much. Let's do some ratios, folks. If we're going to do math, we probably ought to play math. Now, on top of that, when you dig into it, the whole idea that, that student loans being forgiven is going to stimulate the economy, that assumes that people were getting ready to pay them off this year and instead would use that same $40,000 that they were getting ready to pay off their student loan and stimulate the economy with it. Again, that's economic hogwash. It's smoke and mirrors. It's simply not going to happen. Dave, I just think there's a, there's a moral hazard doing this. You're oh, young. absolutely. You, you signed a financial contract. You have an obligation to pay that money back. 
Absolutely. Well, listen, there's some situations where folks are hurting, and this thing has become, it's gotten completely out of hand. Yeah. I mean, there are people's lives who have been destroyed by this program. Somebody needs some relief somewhere. I'm fine with that. But this has nothing to do with really helping people. This is a political gimme by progressives simply trying to buy votes. And we know that because when you go from 10,000 in forgiveness to 50,000 in forgiveness, the people who benefit are not lower income people. The vast majority of people that have an average income or less have less than $10,000 in student loan debt. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people who would be blessed by moving it from 10 to 50 are high income earners. So again, mm -hmm. this is all political yeah. rhetoric. You know, it's Dave, not reality. You, you come from an interesting perspective. You talk to Americans across the country every day on your radio program. Yeah. What, what, what do you believe is the right number or the right answer for, a, for the next stimulus check? Well, this is, I don't believe in a stimulus check because if $600 or $1,400 changes your life, you were pretty much screwed already. You got other issues going on. Uh, you have a you have a career problem, you have a debt problem, you have a relationship problem, you have a mental health problem. Something else is going on if $600 changes your life. And that's not talking down to folks. I've been bankrupt. I've been broken. I work with people every day who are hurting. I love people. I want people to be lifted up. But this is again, it is it is just political rhetoric, and it's just throwing dollars out there. It's peeing on a forest fire. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's peeing on a forest fire. That's wisdom right there. And I mean, that's, that's absolutely correct too. If, if $600 and $1,400 is going to be the difference between whether or not you are homeless, moving back in with your parents or starving to death this month, then Ramsey's right. You are fucked right there, right then and there. Now, <clears throat> I took the $1,200 stimulus check and I cut the fucking thing up because the government doesn't have the money to cover it. And I have worked every day, but when I cut it up and I talked about it on this show and on the other show, I talked about it at length when I talked about that, when I decided to make this decision to cut the fucking thing up, I talked about it at length. And I said that if you need that $1,200 to put food in your cabinets. Now, there's an eviction moratorium, so you're not going to have to pay your rent right now. But if you need that $1,200 to put food in your cabinets, to get cleaning products to clean your apartment, well, mostly food, because, you know, you can use just regular water to get a somewhat sense of clean. It's not going to be the cleanest thing in the world, but at least somewhat sense of clean. But if you need to put food in your cabinets or make a payment or two on your car so you don't lose it so that when the economy does open it back up 15 days later, you still have a way to get, get around, then yes, absolutely use it and take it. But otherwise, if, if you're still commute, uh, telecommuting, if you're commuting, uh, like if you're working from Zoom, or if you are still going to work because your job is deemed essential, which is just a way to say some people are more equal than others, then yes, having $600 or $1,500 or $1,200 or whatever the fuck, no. No, that's not going to be life-changing money. It's a temporary thing to make sure that people don't starve to death. It's all that it was. So that's what we see coming back out of that. And yeah, he's absolutely right. A lot of people got on his case for the fact that he said that because he doesn't care about poor people. Well, no, he tries to keep people from being poor. I, I have a friend that was, uh, she, her life was changed by this guy's programming. Very much so, too. So, I mean, 
his thoughts and his ideas do work. But that's what we see. All right, let's keep going. From Politico. Twitter suspends Project Veritas. From Anna Cam... Cam Bam Patty. As I think we're going to go with on that. The conservative activist organization Project Veritas was suspended from Twitter on Thursday for violating platform rules. The account was permanently suspended for repeated violations of Twitter's private information policy, a Twitter spokesperson said. The group's founder, James O'Keefe, had his account temporarily locked. Also, for violations of the private information policy, the account owner is required to delete the violative tweet to regain access to their account, the spokesperson said. O'Keefe, on Thursday night, explained that his and Project Veritas position. Late last night, Twitter locked the Project Veritas and my Twitter accounts, claiming we violated Twitter guidelines by posting a video of our journalists asking questions of Facebook's Vice President Guy Rosen, which Rosen refused to answer, he said in an emailed statement. Twitter claimed the video published private information, which is false. Twitter invited Project Veritas to, and we did appeal the decision with Twitter, in an act of, uh, apparent act of retaliation for daring to question their authority, Twitter responded to our appeal by suspending our account, continuing to tell us that Project Veritas could delete the tweet and have our account reinstated. O'Keefe said he would not delete the tweet. I mean, what was coming? O'Keefe added he, uh, the Project Veritas account had been followed by former President Donald Trump's adult sons, and the suspensions come amid a broader Twitter crackdown on accounts promoting misinformation. Last month, following the Capitol insurrection, the social media platform announced it had removed more than 70,000 accounts that promoted QAnon ideas, along with banning Trump. Amy Klobuchar, Tammy Baldwin, Gary Peters also recently sent a letter to the CEOs of Twitter, Google, YouTube, and Facebook, emphasizing the need for clear and accurate information as coronavirus vaccines roll out. And by clear and accurate information, it is the information that Klobuchar, Baldwin, and Peters want you to know. Not all the information, just the information they want you to know. They will protect you from the information they don't want you to know. As far as O'Keefe goes, I mean, I never take his videos as green check verified. I never take them as gospel. I always follow up back with everything else that he does. Because they are very heavily edited. So I don't know what all goes through that. I, I always want to see the full unedited versions of his videos. But everything, yes, he puts out is very, very highly and selectively edited. It does make it look in the worst way. But I'm pretty positive that some of this is the fact that now O'Keefe has infiltrated CNN at this point. He has infiltrated Facebook. Didn't he infiltrate Twitter at some point, too, on top of this? I can't imagine why they wanted to get rid of him at some point, because he is making life very, very hard for the people who have billions and billions of dollars and all of your information, too. So, we will see what happens with that. All right, let's keep going. I've got another tweet here for you guys, which we might have to reload. Oh. We reloaded it, and it caught up. So give that just a second to think. President Biden says he's keeping his mask on during his remarks to NIH staff, consulting Dr. Collins and Dr. Fauci. Let's have a listen. My friends behind me, 
Dr. Collins and Dr. Fauci about whether or not I should take my mask off. And the truth is, although we're more than 10 feet away, I think it's important that I not. It's critically important, the message I'm, I realize I'm speaking to a vast majority, at least I hope I am, of the folks out here at NIH. You know that wearing this mask through the, the next year here can save lives, a significant number of lives. My friends behind There it is. They moved the goalpost again. You remember 15 days to slow the spread? Well, that just kept going and going and going. And, you know, now we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of 15 days to slow the spread. And then, you know, what did we hear then at Inauguration Day? Oh, well, well, let's just do this for another 100 days and then we'll all be good and it'll all be fine. And now it's, hey, another year. Another year of your mask wearing. All right, let's see what the ABC article is that goes along with this. Come on, think faster. Establishing secure connection. All right, COVID-19 updates, USC's a blank page. Oh, goody. Yeah, once we lost uh once we lost connection, all everything all the rest of the hell went uh went to hell on this. It's gonna autoplay too, I bet you. COVID nineteen updates, USC's first day since early November with fewer than a hundred thousand new cases. What about the deaths? The US reported just over ninety six thousand newly confirmed cases of COVID nineteen on Sunday. And we have talked about this on this program before. The pandemic of the novel coronavirus has now infected more than 105 million people worldwide and killed over 2.3 million of them, according to real-time data compiled by the Center for Systemic Science and Engineering at Johns Hopkins. USC's first days uh, since November with fewer than 100,000 new cases. So there were 96,003 newly confirmed cases of COVID-19 reported on Sunday, making it the first day the country has seen under 100,000 new cases. Since November 2nd. And, you know, I talked about this as we started seeing the numbers going down. Now, a lot of the MAGA people will come out and say that this is some sort of grand conspiracy. Is the reason that we're seeing that happen like that. It's some massive grand conspiracy, you know. They made the virus. They made the virus. They made it to win the election. They made it to get rid of Trump. They made it to get rid of the evil orange man. This, that, the next thing. And... You know, the progressives will come out and say, well, the masks worked and the vaccine worked and we just need a little bit longer and just, just do what we say and, and dance monkey dance for a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little bit longer off of this. And, uh, well, to be completely honest with you, I don't think it's either one of those things. Now, I do think that there are some of those things that come into play with some of that, but for the most part, it has been a year. The common cold is a coronavirus, and I keep telling you guys that. The common cold is a coronavirus. We've we've seen this kind of virus forever and ever and ever. It wasn't about bat soup. It was, wasn't about anything else. It's another mutated version of the common cold is what it is. Possibly a little bit more transmissible. Definitely not as deadly, but uh, it is a common cold. 
but it's also running out of a host reservoir. And you know, now we start to see the mutations. The mutations, oh my god, the mutations. But the host reservoir is getting tapped. What have we had? Millions of people, because we've had 100,000 people a day plus for a year. So millions of people have had this thing, plus as transmissible as it is supposedly, millions of more people have refused to go out and get tested for this. And have probably had it and didn't even know about it. Your, your host reservoir is going away. It just is. People have had it. They've gained the immunity from it. Or they've passed away, one of the two. The virus continues to live on. Some people are asymptomatic. They never show a symptom of anything. And you're starting to peter out because it is going to go away at some point. Now, one of the mutants is probably going to pop up and keep people sick for longer. But, yeah, it's it's going to start going away, people. Just because you can't get people sick that many times for that long. All right. From the New York Times, a former newspaper, archived, of course, because ad blocker. Trump was sicker than acknowledged with COVID-19 because we need to keep Trump in the headline. Because nobody cares about the impeachment that we're trying to push through right now. <clears throat> from Noah Wyland, Maggie Haberman, and Mark Mazzetti, and Anna Carney. President Trump was sicker with COVID-19 in October than publicly acknowledged at the time, with extremely depressed blood oxygen levels at one point, and a lung problem associated with pneumonia caused by the coronavirus, according to four people familiar with his condition. No names, of course, but four people familiar with his condition. His prognosis became so worrisome before he was taken to Walter Reed National Medica uh, Military Medical Center that officials believed he would need to be put on a ventilator, two of the people familiar with his condition said. The people familiar with Mr. Trump's health said he was found to have had lung infiltrates, which occur when lungs are inflamed and contain substances such as fluid or bacteria. Their presence, especially when a patient is exhibiting other symptoms, can be a sign of an acute case of the disease. They can be easily spotted on an x-ray or scan when parts of the lungs appear opaque or white. Now, Trump went to the hospital in October with the commie fucking coof. It is now February. And it was the beginning of October, too. So it has been at least four months since he's been in the hospital. He has recovered. He is out of office. Why is the New York Times covering this right now? That's what I need to know about this. Why is this a story? So that's what we see from that. From the New York Post. Give that just a second. Do, 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 do. Come on. Cuomo aide admits they had nursing home data, so Fed, or hid, rather, nursing home data, so feds wouldn't find out. From Bernadette Hogan, Carl Campanile, and Bruce Golding. Governor Cuomo's top aide privately apologized to Democratic lawmakers for withholding the state's nursing home death toll from COVID-19, telling them we froze out of fear. The true numbers would be used against us by federal prosecutors, the Post has learned. 
The stunning admission of a cover-up was made by Secretary of the Governor, Melissa DeRosa, during a video conference call with the state's Democratic leaders in which he, she said the Cuomo administration had rebuffed a legislative request for the tally in August because right around the same time, then-President Trump turns this into a giant political football according to an audio recording of the two-hour-plus meeting. He starts tweeting that we killed everyone in nursing homes, DeRosa said. He starts going after New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, starts going after Newsom, starts going after Whitmer. In addition to attacking Cuomo's fellow, uh, fellow Democratic governors, DeRosa said, Trump directs the Department of Justice to do an investigation into us. And basically, we froze, she told the lawmakers on the call. Because then we were in a position where we weren't sure if we were going to give the Department of Justice or what we give to you guys that we start saying this was going to be used against us while we weren't sure if there was going to be an investigation. Ah. The same thing we all knew already. We absolutely knew it already. But there we go. And now they're just going to get slapped on the wrist of mea culpa. Meanwhile, people died because of their processes. The investigation was hindered. And if you or I did this, we would be arrested for obstruction of justice. All right. Let's keep going. Got another archived one here. Get rid of that. Because we're going to go with the archived version instead. All right. Come on, girl. Oh, she's all locked down. There it comes. Now it's starting to do something. All right, from the Village's News. Possible COVID-19-related travel ban has Florida officials and restaurants fuming from Larry D. Kroom. The White House is reportedly considering a COVID-19-related travel ban targeting Florida, a possibility that has Governor Ron DeSantis, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio, and the restaurant and hospitality industry up in arms. A report surfaced Thursday that claimed that President Biden's administration is considering travel restrictions in several states, including California and the Sunshine State, the move appear, uh, apparently is connected to the fact that Florida leads the nation with 343 cases of the UK coronavirus variant known as B117, that strain of COVID-19, which increased significantly in Florida after the large... Oh, Jesus. They're going to... It's the Super Bowl thing. It's punishing you for the Super Bowl because they got fucking called out for it. That's what this is. Has nothing to do with anything else off the fact. It's just the fact that they had the Super Bowl. Now they need to be punished. After large crowds poured into the streets of Tampa following the Buccaneers' Super Bowl victory this past weekend, is known to spread more easily in bypass treatments and immunities. DeSantis, a huge ally of former President Trump, didn't hold back Thursday when addressing the report calling it a political attack against Florida. I think it would be unconstitutional, it would be unwise, and it would be unjust, he said during a press conference in Port Charlotte. The governor added it would be absurd to impose such a ban. If you think about it, restricting the right of Americans to travel freely throughout the country while allowing illegal aliens to pour across the southern border unmolested would be a ridiculous but very damaging farce, he said. Yo, I've seen what the coyotes do and how they try to get the kids into the country and those 
They're not coming across the border unmolested. I, I, I got to tell you that one. So, yeah, they're going to cut off Florida because they were naughty and they had a Super Bowl and they let people in. And they let people into the streets that they're not, they're not sufficiently fedal, uh, peddling fear. Sorry, a little bit of a stutter there. It's a childhood stutter. It's, it's not cognitive decline, I swear. All right, let's keep going. See how long this one takes to load. Come on. Think faster. Uh, Muse tweets out Biden's decision to eliminate caps on insulin prices is having real-world consequences. Children are going to die because of his decision to overturn 100% of Trump's policies. Let's have a listen. 2020, when Trump was president, our monthly payment for Hayden's insulin, and insulin is not a negotiable product. It's a product that Hayden will be dependent on for the rest of his life in order to stay alive. Uh, it's not rational, like you can't ration it in order to make it go longer. You guys, I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna cry. Not so much for Hayden because we can absorb this cost. Last year under Trump, our insulin payment went to $60 a month for this box. This is the first time I got this insulin prescription filled since Biden was inaugurated into office. And if you voted him in, I'm a little mad today. I'm a little mad. Uh, because I went to the window of the pharmacy and they said, we set it aside because it, it's really expensive. Now I love our pharmacist, but I'm like, what do you want me to do about that? <laughs> like. Do you want me to say, well, we'll just pass on it for a month? We can't pass on it. We are stuck. We are stuck as a family who doesn't go to the doctor because we're, we see how the system operates. I just was at the dentist getting a crown replacement and the dentist and I were talking about how, what a screw job insurance is because we see it as providers, as people who work with insurance companies, as business owners in the healthcare profession, we see what a screw job it is. Do you know how much I, you know how much I paid for this one box of insulin? I paid $328 for this one box of insulin that last him a month, I paid $328. And that was with the coupon. So there you go. You got to overturn everything because the orange man is bad. And you know, who gives a fuck what happens to the people? Dance puppets, dance. Beg me for single pair. But some other people have uh, come up with some other solutions for this. And not one of them is get a new PC. Oh, me and Spectrum aren't going to have a conversation about this. Because this is unacceptable. 
because once it bumps the internet back off, everything has to go back and reload, which I had everything up and loaded, and then they bump the internet off for a second. Now it's got to uh, reload and, you know, this uh, this little HP has been uh, admirable throughout the time I've been running this show, but, uh, you know, it it's not the fastest thing in the world. All right. Biohackers with diabetes are making their own insulin from Dana G. Smith. David Anderson pipettes yeast under a laboratory fume hood that's surrounded by graffiti from a beaker. He extracts a tiny amount of microscopic fungus and transfers it to a test tube, which he then spins in a centrifuge to separate the proteins from the rest of the broth. The next day, he will inject the protein mix into an electrically charged gel, and if it all goes well, the smallest protein will wiggle to the front, identifying itself as insulin. Anderson is not a biochemist. He didn't even major in science in college. He's part of the Open Insulin Project, a biohacker collective that is trying to produce the life-saving drug and provide it to people with diabetes for free or close to it. Insulin enables cells in the body to use glucose circulating in the blood as fuel. People with type 1 diabetes don't produce enough insulin, while people with type 2 diabetes have become resistant to it. Without sufficient insulin, people experience high blood sugar or hypo, uh, hyperglycemia, which over the long term can cause heart disease, stroke, kidney disease, and nerve damage. In severe cases of insulin insufficiency, ketoacidosis sets in, where the liver releases too many ketones in the blood, turning the blood acidic and potentially ending in death. For people with type 1 diabetes, insulin is as necessary as oxygen, says Dr. Earl Hirsch, the diabetes treatment and teaching chair at the University of Washington. Diabetes has become the most expensive disease in the U.S., reaching $327 billion a year in healthcare costs, $15 billion of which comes from insulin, and the cost of insulin keeps climbing. It tripled in price from 2002 to 2013, and nearly doubled again in, from 2012 to 2016. For instance, in 1996, a vial of Humalog, a standard insulin produced by Eli Lilly, cost $21. Today, the list price is $324, an increase of more than 14,000%. Without insurance, the costs from diabetes can tally up thousands of dollars a month. As a result, 25% of the 7.4 million Americans on insulin have started to ration the drug, which can result in deadly consequences. So, good on these people for trying to find a way to make this through. Now, once again, I, first and foremost, I'm pretty sure that the government is going to find out about this and shut them down because that's what the government does because their buddies are in the pharmaceutical companies are making fucking bank off of this. But they don't care about that. They don't care about the people at all. And like I said, once again, this is a lot of dance, dance puppets dance. Beg me for single-payer health care. Come on, man. Beg me for that single-payer. All right, let's keep going. I got one from Fox that I saw right before I got started. Biden faces bipartisan backlash after firing prosecutor probing corruption among Illinois Democrats from Morgan Phillips. Biden triggered outcries from Illinois lawmakers on both sides of the aisle after he fired a prosecutor overseeing corruption probes of Democrats in the state. Democratic senators, House GOP lawmakers, and the Illinois Republican Party all condemned the move to fire a Chicago-based U.S. attorney, John Losh. U.S. attorneys are appointed by presidents, and typically new presidents ask for the resignations of early nearly 
all at the beginning of the new administration, but Lodge had a rare bipartisan support. When then-President Trump appointed Lodge, the attorney had the support of both Illinois Democrat Senators Richard Durbin and Tammy Duckworth. Durbin and Duckworth released a joint statement saying they hadn't immediately been consulted in Lodge's firing and urged the administration not to terminate him immediately. So, we had the guy who was investigating corruption and, oops, all of a sudden, he's gone. I wonder what happens when that goes along. Let's keep going. I got a tweet here from Andy Nyo over on Twitter. Hannah Lilly has been convicted of her role in the Antifa riot on uh, September 23rd, 2020. In Portland, Antifa threw Molotov cocktails at police that night. She pleaded guilty to felony arson and felony criminal mischief. She's only sentenced to probation, community service, and a fine. Let's see what KOIN has to say about this. Woman ordered to repay 46000 for Portland Ryan damage. Hannah Karen Lilly pleaded guilty to criminal mischief and arson charges. From Hannah Ray Lambert. A woman has been ordered to perform community service and repay $46,000 in restitution for her role in a riot that damaged the Multnomah County Justice Center in September. Hannah Lilly pleaded guilty to one count of first-degree criminal mischief and one count of first-degree arson in connection with the events on September 23, 2020, the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office said. Lilly admitted to aiding and abetting 21-year-old Cyan Bass, who is accused of setting fire to the Justice Center, the DA's office, said, sentencing for Lilly's arson charging has not been completed yet. For the criminal mischief convictions, Lilly received a year and a half probation, was ordered to perform 120 hours of community service, and must pay $46,000 in restitution to Multnomah County. While on probation, Lilly is prohibited from attending any demonstration that is declared an unlawful assembly or a riot, the DA's office wrote in a statement. So, she got community service for a felony. Keep that in mind. Alright, from the post-millennial. I still got a bunch to go here. That whole knocked off the air thing just kind of screwed me right over, didn't it? SPLC removes black separatist listing on hate map. Black descent isn't black violence. From Mia Cathel. The Southern Poverty Law Center has removed the black separatist listing on an extensive hate map to underscore that white supremacist extremism is the most dangerous threat to na uh, national security. While black separatism is rooted in valid concerns about how federal and state institutions treat black people. We're collapsing the black separatist listing on our hate map, the SPLC's official Twitter account tweeted on Monday. Black separatism was born out of valid anger against a very real historical and systemic oppression. The change to the SPLC hate map was announced by the SPLC's Intelligence Project on October 8th as the organization sought to remove a false equivalence between white nationalist and black separatist hate groups and to present the information about extremist groups more accurately and equitably. Now people were starting to figure out that the violence was coming from the separatists and uh, people were starting to talk. So once again, it's, it's newspeak. It's information change. This is 1984 all over again. Let's keep going.
from Politico. You know, once we're starting to get some of these other ones loaded back up, the rest of them are starting to load faster, I'm noticing. From Politico. New York Assembly advances bill to rename Donald J. Trump, uh, Trump rather, State Park. From Bill Mahoney. The State Assembly has advanced a bill to rename New York's Donald J. Trump State Park. Democratic legislators have been seeking to rename the park a dilapidated and unused collection of more than 400 acres, located about 8 miles east of Peekskill, since 2015. A committee vote on Wednesday was the first concrete step towards that happening. That's right, just erase more and more of what this guy did. This guy paid more taxes and brought more business to your state than probably any but any one individual person. And because he's evil and orange, now you've got to go back and erase him from history. Our parkland should be reflective of New Yorkers we can be proud of, New Yorkers that have expressed our values, said Assemblywoman Nilly Rosick, who sponsored the bill that was approved by the Tourism Committee. There are a lot of other New Yorkers who are worthy of the honor of having a park named after themselves. Rosick first proposed legislation on the subject four years ago when she introduced a bill to rename the park after murdered Charlottesville protester Heather Heyer. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. The measure that moved Wednesday simply requires the state to come up with a new name. Ah, so tiring. It's so tiring. If he hadn't come... To, and this is further proof right now that the world loved this guy because, you know, they'll, they'll still t try to retcon history out of this. You come out and you point out the fact that there was the apprentice, that he was on Top Gear, that he had a park named after him. And you point out the fact that up until he came down the escalator... The world loved that guy. The world loved Trump. He was in all the rap songs. They all wanted to be him. And as soon as he came down the escalator, he is all of a sudden evil and orange and orange and evil. And every trace of him has to be erased. But this is just proof that they loved that guy before he ran for president. Because the news media told them to. All right. Let's keep going here. Got just a few more. Uh, this is just a tweet here that I f thought funny, and I f uh, figured you guys would find funny too. A uh, friend of the show, Eric the Red, Rebel with a Cause, from the Rebel with a Cause podcast. Woke SJWs, we want a strong female lead. Gina Carano. Hi, everyone. Woke SJWs. Not you. And I told him that you guys would be seeing this in the morning here, which he was very excited about. Let's keep going. From Fox News. If you guys are lurking right now, and for whatever reason, my counter is not working again, so I don't even know how many people are watching right now. But if you guys are uh, watching right now, and you want to get that last-minute message in, uh, as soon as we get done with the Blaze article over here, I will read the names back of everybody who chatted in the live chat, both in the week and today. So, And, of course, if your comment is sufficiently stupid... It will raise the intellectual level of this program, and it will definitely get read on the air. All right, so. Uh, the Lincoln Project faces fierce backlash, accused of publishing private messages of ex-member from Joseph A. Wolfson. The Lincoln Project is facing intense backlash and potentially major legal trouble after it was accused of publishing screenshots of private Twitter direct messages belonging to one of its co-founders, Jennifer Horn. 
Horn, who left the Lincoln Project last week amid the John Weaver scandal, has had a public spat with the anti-Trump uh, Trump group ever since her departure, but the Lincoln Project escalated tensions on Thursday night with tweets that appeared to be an exchange she had with the 19th News correspondent, Amanda Becker. Earlier this evening, we became aware that Amanda Becker of the 19th News was preparing to publish a smear job on the Lincoln Project with the help of N.H. Jennifer, the Lincoln Project began a lengthy thread. You hear a lot of talk about hit jobs in journalism, but really do you get to see their origin. Enjoy. Yeah, these people are fucking scum. And Conway. Conway of all people. It looks on its face to be a violation of federal law and should be taken down immediately. And Conway knows some shit about federal law too, so, and violations of federal law. So, that's the kind of people that progressives gave all their money to, to try and take down the evil orange man, who is both evil and orange. All right. From the New York Times, archived once again, of course. Former Lincoln Project staff asked to be released from non-disclosure agreements. Uh, this is a no-author given. Oh, there it is. From Maggie Astor and Danny Hakim. Leaders of the Lincoln Project, the anti-Trump media venture, came under fire on Thursday night from six former workers demanding to be released from NDAs in order, in order to rather to talk about John Weaver and co-founder who harassed young men online. The leaders were also criticized by journalists and others after the group, without authorization, posted screenshots of another co-founder's private Twitter messages with a reporter. Hey, you guys got popcorn? Because you're going to want some popcorn for this shit. I'm telling you right now. I am telling you right now. Get some stock in Orville Redenbacher because you are going to want to watch this shit. This is going to be a shit show and a half. Oh, this one's going to be fun to watch. I wonder what kind of secrets are going to be coming back out of this one here. I bet you they're going to be juicy. All right, from Art Forum. This came to us from S8 over in the uh, Discord chat. Which, by the way, if you look in the description below, you will find links for a Discord and a Gilded. Now, the Gilded is still under construction. I'm going to work on that this weekend to get it functioning a little bit more smoothly and get separate pages for Stephen Ignoramus and the R-rated conservative and the breakdown with Birkenhaw because they're all coming out here. But we have a full Freedom Scoop Gilded server that we're going to set up and try to work stuff because Discord is, I mean, it's compromised. Any second now, somebody's going to come into my Discord, see the Midget B and S8 meme competition, and all the stars of David around my Discord server, and that shit's getting shut down. So, we've got the guild there. Go over there and check that out, and uh, come and hang out with us. Or you can hang out with, in the Discord, too, because you can help shape this news program as well. I look through the Gilded in the Discord for all the news articles that you guys put up there, and a lot of the times I'll either use your direct news article, or... I'll find something that's green check verified that goes along with this. But this comes to us from Art Forum. Cuba names journalism, music production, cultural programming as among banned private professions. So basically, only the government is allowed to tell you what media you're allowed to consume. The Cuban government, which this past weekend announced the expansion of its private sector from 127 professions to more than 2,000, yesterday published a list of 124 professions that he has said must remain under government control. Among the fields that will not allow, be allowed to privatize are journalism, publishing, cinematographic and audiovisual production, TV programming, 
and general cultural programming. And this is the same kind of shit that they're trying to do here. That's part of the reason that I brought it up, because now that uh, they're doing this just a little bit down in the Caribbean, Kamala Harris is sitting over there with a pen and a paper doing that as fast as she fucking can. All right, from the Associated Press. Start your day with AP Morning Wire. No, go away. I want to read your article. Or we'll just lock up the uh, web browser again. Because why wouldn't we? UN situation in Ethiopia's Tigray is now extremely alarming from Kara Anna. Life for civilians in Ethiopia's embattled Tigray region has become extremely alarming as hunger grows and fighting remains an obstacle to reaching millions of people with aid, the UN said in a news report. And the UN Special Advisor on Genocide Prevention warned Friday that without urgent measures, the risk of atrocity crimes remains high and likely to get worse. The conflict has shaken one of Africa's most powerful and populous countries. A new key U.S. security ally in the Horn of Africa has killed thousands of people. It is now on its fourth month. But little is known about the situation for most of Tigray's six million people as journalists are blocked from entering, communications are patchy, and many aid workers struggle to obtain permission to enter. One challenge is that Ethiopia may no longer control up to 40% of the Tigray region. The UN Security Council was told in a closed-door session last week Ethiopia and allied fighters have been pursuing the now-fugitive Tigray regional government that once dominated Ethiopia's government for nearly three decades. Now soldiers are, uh, from neighboring Eritrea are deeply involved on the side of Ethiopia, even as Addis Ababa denies their presence. Eritrea, on Friday, rejected false and presumptive allegations after the U.S. Embassy there posted a statement online about the need for Eritrean forces to leave. On Thursday, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was the latest to pressure Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, directly urging the 2019 Nobel Peace uh, winner in a phone call to allow immediate and full and unhindered access to Tigray before more people die. I'm guessing that a war has sprung out over there, and it's impossible to get aid in. And there's going to be a change in government coming up somewhere over here in Ethiopia. And, hey, we're already saber-rattling in the Middle East and in Myanmar. So this might be the next theater that we wind up in. All right. Last one here. From the blaze, because it's home, because it has to do with Kenosha, and I lived there for 10 years. I don't live there anymore, but I lived there for 10 years. Wisconsin judge denies prosecutor's request to issue a new warrant for Kyle Rittenhouse from Leon Wolf. This is a catch-up on a story that we talked about last uh, week and the week before. During a contentious hearing in which Wisconsin judge Bruce Schrader accused prosecutors of treating 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse different from any other criminal defendant. The judge curtly denied the prosecution's motion to issue a new arrest warrant for the accused teen or increase his bail. The judge further appeared sympathetic to the defense arguments pleas that revealing Rittenhouse's physical address would put him in jeopardy and apparently cut off prosecutors mid-sentence and abruptly ended the hearing when they attempted to argue that the public has the right to know where Rittenhouse is staying while he awaits trial. 
So, just to, well, they'll back you up right there, but we don't have to go any further into this article because I will back you up to this. So, last week, if you remember, we talked about the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse had moved to a safe house, and the prosecutors were coming out and demanding a raised bail and a new arrest warrant because he failed to reveal his new address within 48 hours of moving after the persecutor doxed him. The persecutor put the, uh, put the address out there and Rittenhouse was getting death threats at his home, at the address that he was living at. So he went to a safe house. He didn't tell the persecutor. And the persecutor tried to pull this bullshit And said right out that he was going to dox the new address too. What a fucking scumbag this guy. Well, I've met the man. He is a fucking scumbag. But this fucking scumbag, I swear to God. If he survives and gets another term as persecutor, it will be a miracle for him. And I'm sure the judge thinks so too. Because the judge slapped the shit down mid-sentence and said, Fuck you, we're not doing this. So... Rittenhouse gets to live somewhere semi-safe. Of course, I'm sure he'll get doxxed at some point once again. But uh, he'll get to live safe for now, and that'll be that. So good on that. And at the end, we read the names of everybody who chatted throughout the week. I have kept track of everybody throughout the week in my handy-dandy notebook here. So we can give great thanks to everybody through here. So we will start on the week to give you guys a last chance to get a last last-minute message in. And then we will read what was uh, done today. And of course, if your message is sufficiently stupid, it will raise the intellectual level of this program. So we'll get it read on the air. Let's drag this up over here. Blow it up so you guys can see it. But on Monday, we had Quest Fanning, Chilaga 1984, Assignment Earth, that was a new name in here, Hannah 974, Salty Gorilla. Infidel072 and Ron Helton. On Tuesday, we had Ron Helton, Quest Fanning, Chilaga1984, Flancorp, our resident progressive, was in here for a little bit. Uh, Tom's Long Dong, which I laughed my ass off when I went back and I actually I saw that out of the corner of my eye while I was uh, on the air, and it kept it was all that I could do to keep from laughing my ass off when I saw that name on there, but uh yeah, that's great. I love that. So thanks for hanging out with us, Tom's Long Dong. And Mad Cow Mark, our resident uh, Australian, popped in here for a little bit too. On Wednesday, we had... Wednesday was a busy day, which I liked. We had Ron Helton. We had Horatius, which is uh, somebody, I think, who came over from Stephen Ingramus' show. Thank you. We had Quest Fanning. Unsatiable 1776 with his usual redhead propaganda. Chilaga 1984. Seawall 728 was in here. With the half-track, Death Priest, that was a new name. Uh, Maddie the News Chick, friend of the channel, was in here. Rye87 popped up, and Infidel072 was in here once again on Thursday. Yesterday we had Quest Fanning. Yesterday was kind of a slow day, but we had Quest Fanning, Chilaga1984, Seawall728. Ron Helton, Stephen Ignoramus came in. I think he hosted for a little bit too, but I don't have a DLive monitor up ever anymore, so I couldn't see if he did or not. And Laurel Smith was in here for a couple messages at the beginning. Today, MK Ultra 30330 
that mature audience thing always pop up before? Well, I changed the settings to see if I could get lemons and monetization back, so I don't know if I've got them back because, once again, I have no monitor and you can't see it that on this screen. So, that's that. Um, July 1984 gives us the morning. Have you heard Jay's language? It's mature. Oh, well, fuck these people who want me to put this tag on there. Um, DLF sucks. Twitch actually censors bad language in the chat. Can't even say pussy. I could say pussy on here, though. Uh, Ron Helt says this is live or Memorex. This is live. TK Ultra MK. That must be MK Ultra as well. Thanks for uh, coming and hanging out with us over on the Twitch side. Uh, Ron's got the weather format. 10 Fahrenheit and light snow this morning. Yeah, I was uh, supposed to snow on and off throughout the day today too, but uh, I'm looking at the window right now and this sun is shining. The media is trying to milk the Trump train until it leaves the station. Their audience numbers will drop dramatically after this clown show. And then, yeah, we lost uh, signal there for just a second. Too many children running D-Live these days. Sticker thieves. Well, you just have to make a more offensive sticker. Quest Fanning is here. Sorry for the connection drop, you guys. Um, MK Ultra says, Fox News stinks. I watch CNN and MSNBC for the fake names and actors they bring on. Yeah, I don't like use... Uh, well, I use Fox News just because it's green check verified. And it's... Well, not completely the right, but I don't trust them as far as I can throw them either. They are my competition, after all. Uh, Chilaga brings up a good point, too. Parents, social workers, and guidance counselors have screwed an entire generation by telling them they have to attend college. That is very true. Quest says, are you suggesting value should come from work rather than manipulating uh, and government choosing winners and losers? Yes, it should. I think Ron Helton has an opinion about uh, about Mr. Biden. What a damn moron. Virtual signaling, demented old jackass. Uh, Ron also says, yep, and someone with a cold will test positive for the coof. Oh, I didn't know you had pneumonia either. I'm sorry to hear about that. By the way, just so you guys know, if you guys want to join Trovo, that's Trovo.tv, I think. Yeah, Trovo.tv slash jedgar101. Because it looks like it's coming into here, and I'm going to spend some time this weekend seeing if I can get the rest of the chat to go out to you guys. So we can have one integrated chat again, because I'm looking at the Trovo chat, and it doesn't look like... Like, I can see... I don't know if you guys can see that or not, but I can see Ron's chat in there, but I can't see the rest of the restream stuff like you guys can on your various platforms. So I'm going to work on getting that fixed so you guys can uh, talk with each other over on Trovo again. So if you guys want to join over there, that would be really cool. Um, Dan the v Vil Killer. I'm here to talk about politics since my friends can't stand it. I'm sorry to hear that. But thank you for coming by. Ron says, I can only talk to my nephew and one friend about politics. Everyone else wants to avoid it. I believe we have some congratulations in order here. Chilaga 1984 says, since it's Friday, congrats to MK Ultra on the birth of his son, his second child, born 131. 
we're going to give a little bit more thanks to that in uh, the Red Net Show on Monday. MK Ultra Child Born 131. We'll talk about that on Monday. I made a note for myself. Mazel tov. The newborn dude is my nephew. Well, that's good. It's great to have nephews. Ron says, well, you know that many of those wanting to end the country are infected with the coof. It's rampant in Mexico right now. Uh, Ron's ISP is garbage. We've been having that conversation forever. It's because he has a potato for a router. Let's see. I still hope they charge all the rioters for all their crimes. Like if you did something 20 nights in a row, you get charged for every one of them. They think they got away with something. Funny thing with Burisma, he openly fired someone looking into corruption. History repeats. Yes, thank you Nephilim Ninja of Nibiru, by the way. I've got a Murti 009 over here. That's a new name in here. Welcome on in. Thanks for coming and hanging out. I've not read any news since January. Well, I do it every day. We do this at 7.45 every morning. And sometimes it takes almost, well, sometimes it takes over an hour and a half because we're at uh, 93 minutes. But, uh, yeah, some of that had to do with the fact that we had loading times going along with that as well. Uh, the Lincoln Project is a bunch of nimrods. They are. Oh, thanks, Chilaga. Let J. Edgar read your news. It's much better. It's all trauma-based mind control. Yes, it is. Tough point in time to completely disconnect. Shit's getting wild. Uh, last thing I read news about anything political was the inauguration of Joe Biden. Most of the news I read is once a month, normally about the science or finance. Well, this is the show for you because we look at the... Uh, Dow Jones every morning, and I kind of comment and see where it's going to go. I give my own projections, but uh, we give uh, IBDs and uh, projections too. Let's see. Ron says, I can imagine someone living off the grid and checking on current events and running back to the hills in terror. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. Uh, Quest says, I'm against the death penalty for two different reasons. One, moral, too much to go into here, and ample evidence of misuse. Errors in uh, prosecutorial misconduct. I am not against the death penalty, and I know I'm a bad libertarian for not being against the death penalty, but uh, I am not against it. Because I've always said that if the government is going to make the laws, then they have to be the ones that are responsible for enforcing them. And most libertarians will come out and say, well, if somebody breaks into my house, it's on, and then them guns are coming out. So, essentially, if the state kills a person with the death penalty, or a libertarian kills somebody breaking into the house, the person winds up just as dead either way, except when the state does it, it comes with a trial by jury. And yes, it's a very corrupted system, but it at least comes with a trial by jury. You at least get to stand in front of a jury of your peers is the reason that I'm okay with it. I just wish they didn't set people on death row for 50 fucking years. Uh, Chilaga says there's an argument we're too connected. Brains can't handle learning about some horrific murder in Europe, Asia, places far away. Who says government can't create yabs? Cuba does it at the point of a gun. <laughs> there you go. Good warning, by the way, Quest. They like that. Um, 
don't overload your brain with things that don't affect you unless you want to help because it will just make you stressed, angry, sad, or any form of emotion which is slightly harmful or slightly degrading to your state of mind, even if it's very minor. Yeah, living off the uh, grid is the only path. Nobel Peace Prize winners never hurt anybody. In recent years, we've added 128 new military bases throughout Africa. Didn't see any headlines about those. No, of course you wouldn't. It would also help the people of Yemen. It's awful. Uh, only the news of horrific nature I regularly read is about Yemen because I'm regularly donating to help people receive food there. Well, that's awesome. Throw some links in. Um, get in the Discord, which is linked in the description below, because I think the robot will uh, kick your links back out. But get in the Discord. Uh, throw your links in there. We've got the general area, and we can do stuff for charity, too, over there, because we love to help. Uh, probably has something to do with Chinese investments in various enterprises in uh, Africa. Life is much better even in Africa than they were just a decade or two ago. Check out Factfulness by Hans Rosling. Just a second. Scott Horton or Dave Smith guy? I don't know who those people are. I actually don't know who those people are either. Uh, the Lutheran Church is also involved in providing aid. Yeah, um, I'm a Lutheran myself. J. Edgar is really into Tom's long dong. You know how I roll. I'm flipping back and forth from DLive to Trovo. DLive is dead to me. Sticker thieves. They decided to remove the Joe Ho sticker. I bet there's some offensive Trump stickers on there, though. Oh, yeah. All right, we're almost done here. Uh, all I do is just donate to those who most need it. I might do a fundraiser for my birthday coming up to raise more money. $20 is enough to give over a month's worth of food to a person. Uh, Murdy, actually, I'm going to push you to get into the Discord because we might work with that and we might uh, use this channel to do something like that as well. So reach out to me. We've got, uh, we've got a little bit of reach among the Freedom Scoop uh, group, so we can probably push that much, much higher. Uh, we'll see if I can link it now. Otherwise, yeah, it's in the Discord. Uh, let's see. If you do come back and link it, I'll help. I'll see if I can link it now. Uh, that's crazy. Jay doesn't know about Dave Smith. Um, I've heard of the name. I just don't know who the dude is. And we just hit uh, 100 messages. I don't know why that didn't work, because that's supposed to work, by the way. Ah, uh, Marty, yeah, that's supposed to work. So I don't know why that didn't. Let me see if I can get it to work. Otherwise, I can go and pull it back up, because I've got a standing link for it. Maybe. Maybe I can't. Because it does appear that that's going to be slowed down, too. Well, there it goes. There we go. I got it in there, too. The Nightbot did it, but I did it, too. So we will see what we've got here. United Nations... Uh, Nephilim's going to get the last word. The NAPP 
peeps going to make home invasion take a long cold nap just not the state all right and that's going to be it there so we're going to head on out of here it's been a great day with you guys it's been great to hang out with you guys uh see some new names hopefully we'll get some new ones in uh as i mentioned at the top um even if you come and hang out during the morning i do read your chat i just don't do it on air and then we do just like we did here where i will give you thanks at the end of the week so don't despair tell a friend tell 10 friends um we'll be back here tomorrow because elaine is doing a q a for me as I get introduced to her audience for the first time. We did that a couple weeks ago. So come and hang out with that. And, you know, it'll be just a little bit of uh, talking about me. I think she's got some questions for me. And then uh, the rest of it's going to be Ask Me Anything. So get your questions in for that. I'll have a drink in my hand. So it'll be fun for that. I don't think I'm going to open the phone lines up for that, though. So we'll see what happens there. Otherwise, we'll be back here on Monday for more Contemporary to see what they do over the weekend and with the rest of the impeachment trial. Or on Monday night for the Red Net Show, where we discuss mostly the impeachment trial and everything else that went on through the week. So looking forward to seeing you guys there as well. Hoping to hang out with you. Until then, another time. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>